where fan power ended one ridiculously dumb idea. Fan power is yet to end this one, though. Welcome to another edition of the Pedestrian Podcast. Myself, Stuart Court, is joined, uh, as ever, by the Jose out mask-owning Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? Considering we weren't <clears throat> doing a podcast until about 20 minutes ago, that is an inspired open that I can only presume was pre-written for the stuff we had planned for this week and you uh, thought you had to shelve it, but no, yep, no. you managed to, managed to dig it out and use it for one last time. Well done, you. Yeah, thank you. So well, I need something to do um, uh, in the hours I haven't been working this week because I can't go to the pub every night. Well, we'll give it a go. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it's draft week, NFL draft week, the Seahawks, as we've said repeatedly, and everyone is fully aware, um, I'd hope you're fully aware by of the, this point, the Seahawks enter the draft minus the Frank Clark-like uh, trade haul to amass more picks with just three selections over the weekend, none on Thursday, one on currently on Friday, and two more on Saturday evening. Um, there's not a lot happened in Seahawks land. Obviously, we spoke with Stacey a couple of weeks ago on the Alden Smith deal. Um, and that had a most almost too predictable, but equally disappointing turn of events. Obviously, it's all still kind of up in the air, so we can't really go too deep in, on it. But it's it was... Disappointing and, and surprising in equal measures, though, weren't it? When all that come out, yeah. I, I guess overall, my view is, you know, we discussed the the fact that this would bring open a whole new set of discussion around the domestic violence policy and blah blah blah, and not that any player is <laughs> more valid to play for you because of you know their performance or whatever. But was Alden Smith really the guy that was worth? having all of this energy and conversation directed about this, like a guy you're paying $1 million to who then throws open a load of stuff about your team ethics. Like, is he, is the ceiling of his play really going to ever be worth it? I mean, I was looking at his stats from last year. He had five sacks all season. Three of them were against the bloody Seahawks. <laughs> so he had two real sacks uh, in, the, in the season last year. And it just... I don't know. The whole thing just felt like quite a confusing signing to me. And I just can't really see any way in which it would have been like that successful either way. They tried to trade for him when they got, I don't know if it's as well as, or it was him or Dunlap when they got Carlos Dunlap in, what's it, Halloween yeah. time. So they're clearly just weirdly desperate for him. But also that Cowboys defense was really bad last year. Well, so it kind of maybe that makes the fire sucks even worse because he's on the field a lot more with that awful, awful defense. But yeah, it just seems it kind of it open ends. It makes that three pick thing kind of more of a issue because there's a real chance now. There's a real, there's a very light, good likelihood that um, they're going to need to use one of these picks on a pass rusher again, Adam. Well, yeah, and I mean, you're much more of a draft expert than I am by a, a long, long shot. And we were WhatsApping on Saturday, and we are, we'll get into you know, what we can do with the picks, but you, you seem fairly well set that that second-round pick, the best use of it could be for a defensive tackle. Or was yeah. that you just making a making no, a that's, that? No, that's what, I, that's what I'd do. Cause, but I think if they... 
before John Boyle wrote a story yesterday on Seahawks.com, which we'll get to more <laughs> on that website in a bit. But um, and before then, I was almost 95, 90, 90, yeah, 95 percent certain they were going to trade back for 56. And talking to people, a few people today who have some sources uh, at a couple of teams over on the East Coast, it really does seem that the teams are just going to get in and get the hell out of this draft because there's so much up in the air. Like medical exams haven't really been as widespread as they usually are with all COVID because obviously I think they invited was it 180, 250 players, but these are only players who are top 150, 200 picks to get medical evaluations. Obviously we saw it last year with Daryl Taylor where the medical evaluations, I mean, I don't know what they did. For those, so I I, I'm, I went from 95% certain that the Seahawks are going to trade back and try and get four or five, maybe six picks, which is what the mock I was in the process of writing when I read that John Boyle article over on the team's official website. But um, but now I, I really do think they could le- legitimately maybe manoeuvre around on day three, but I really think the Seahawks are going to literally come away with three players and then just spend most of Saturday evening trying to get the 10-15 undrafted free agents they can. Like we heard a few weeks ago with Doug Baldwin and how um, aggressive they were there, that's probably how they're going to be on the back end of Saturday evening. Yeah, I mean, I obviously normally have a slightly more negative disposition on the team and roster construction. And maybe you'll think I'm wrong, but you know, looking at this team as it is right now, you know, obviously there's discussions about Richard Sherman and KJ Wright, who would go to fill two big holes that I would say are on this roster currently. But for the first time, really, since 2013, when Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett came in, I you, I look at the defence and say there are holes in the defence. I mean, e- even last year, the pass rush was never going to be great. It was much worse than probably expected, but there were bodies that you thought could do stuff. But Looking at cornerback and linebacker, I think for the first time, certainly since we've done the podcast, you could say that is a position of serious potential weakness on the defense. And I find that a bit of a concern. And I think for me, that's why you know, that 56th pick, I would just say find the best cornerback and take him because yeah. uh, I, I really feel like we're going to need it. Yeah, the, 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 the reason I kind of want us to go D-line and maybe at 56 or with the first pick if they... I think I only really want D-line if they find a way to get more picks, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. if they only use three picks, yeah, cornerback or wide receiver has to be the first pick. Um, but but it's, the D-line thing is because after past this year, the only defensive tackle in the contract is Puna Ford. Mm-hmm. And he's only on a two-year deal. So they need to start getting some, to use a Mariners baseball parlance, some club control over that position because... Because Al Woods is going to retire one day, so they can't yeah. just keep calling on him him every year. Um, but yeah, like if if they go three picks, then you you're probably looking at cornerback or wide receiver. But if they can, if they do chance their arm, which I'm not too sure now, but if they do chance their arm, then D line would be a luxury which you'd be benefit from from having four, five, or six. Well, yeah, I also don't think I developed the point that I was actually trying to make, which was. <laughs> standard uh in previous years it's been okay to you know ha- ha- if if the things are crap shoot have as many darts as you can get right that 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 makes sense yeah but 
in previous years, you know, I was looking at, I think Jake Heaps, our new mortal enemy, apparently. <laughs> um, he, he wrote like a, a, a stats about how many second round picks in the last 10 years have become starters and how many fourth to seventh round picks. And I think it's like six out of 49 picks in the fourth to seventh round have become first, have become starting players for us. Um, that's not a good record. And I think what I was trying to say is that when you have a roster with no clear holes, sure, like get as many darts as you can, because if you can get a Chris Carson, even like a David Moore, that's great. But right now I feel like we can't really afford three chances if there's a, an opportunity to take, you can never say this in the draft, but like a much more surefire in inverted commas player at 56 who can help you right now. Because for the first time in a while, we need that defensive help from, from rookies right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, if you take, so one of the mock I've done, I've got is what the trade back one, I've got is taking the uh, Nashan, Nashan right in the seventh round, because at that point, you just kind of, as you say, chancing your arm. And he clearly could, I think Matty Brown wrote, when he um, wrote him up on Seahawks Maven, that he's, he's sushi Sushi fish raw is how he how Matty put it. <laughs> so yeah, he is. So I think, but the, like you do need a pro ready guy, but at fifty six. But I mean, even that pick for Seahawks has been like, obviously they have got Jaron Reed in that. They got fifty. DK was sixty four. Um, Fred Clark was slightly earlier, I think. Paul Richardson was around that around that time. Tyler Lockett was around that time. And then you got people like Justin Britt who. Kind of took it. Well, obviously, started almost immediately, but uh, took his took a couple of years to find his groove and find his place and position on that airline. So it's yeah, um, yeah. Like D D line is something I think which is it would be a a bit of a luxury, but it's just people like Tommy Toigi at Ohio State. It's just so much fun to watch. It is kind of like watching uh, Jay Re- Joanne Reed when he was at Bama. Um, mm that kind of run stuff with this guy and just get across the field just remarkably fast for someone his um, size. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've done two mocks if you want to hear what I've done. Please, please. We're uh, we're just spinning for the listening. Yeah, this is an altruistic show for the, the seven of you that might tune in and listen to me. We're, we're doing it for you today. We, we, ha- we thought we'd spin and get something out for, for you guys to take you through draft day and uh, hopefully give you something to listen to from Seahawk land just to keep yeah to so I, I've done two mocks I did one without trade because uh, the simulator I use need to pay to trade which is quite something uh, so I've got 56 Wyatt Davis who's a guard or centre from Ohio State 129 I've gone for Daz Newsom a wide receiver who seems to be getting some buzz I think Chris Chapasso said over the weekend that he thinks he's going to be a better pro than Diami Brown who's getting first round chat from people who know way more than us guys. And number 250, a cornerback, Brandon Stevens, who's a cornerback from SMU. He's someone who, again, to mention him again, Matty Brown's been big on. He fits every measurement, height, weight, length, and he, the RAS, the athletic, um, relative athletic score. He's in 9.9s, I think, as well. So he's someone who's really athletic. And then the uh, one with trades, I use the pro football focus uh mock dress simulator which is just wild because it's got 
Jamin Davis still there at 56. So I tried to keep it realistic. At 56, I traded back to Carolina for 70. Do you want to write this down? I don't see, see how wrong I'm going to be. Get your pads and papers ready, boys and girls, and we can write this one down <laughs> together to, to fade Stuart Court this time next week when we podcast again. Uh, right, so at 56, I've got a trade with Carolina for 73, 113, and 222. 73, 113, 222. Okay. Yeah, and then at 73, I traded again with the Giants for 76 and 196. Trade Giants, 73 for 76 and 196. Yeah, and then at okay. pick 76, I selected Brady Christensen, who's a tackle from the remarkably good BYU O-line. Remember that when the guy who's going to go number two possibly struggles uh, when he gets to the NFL because that O-line at BYU is r- ridiculous. It's, it, Position it's on the line just to play? He played left tackle, so obviously you're probably more looking 2022, which is, again, a bit of a luxury, taking a pick, taking a guy like that. And then uh, pick 113, I traded again to Raiders for 121 Trade Raiders one one three. This is one, great. yeah. Raiders one hundred twenty one and a twenty twenty two fifth round pick. Okay, no one cares about that, but that's okay. Uh, and it's, pick one two one Jonathan Marshall, defensive tackle from Arkansas. Again, someone who the the RAS the relative athletic score is just I think it's nine point nine six. He's massive. He's long. He's a guy who comes from the inside. He's just, he's he's so much fun to watch. Am I reckoning you've still got 196 and 222 to use? Is that right? And 129, which 129 I selected. Where do we get 129 from? It's one of the picks we have already. Ah, okay, yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, one pick, 129, Drew Dolman, centre from Stanford. Drew Dolman, Stanford, Okay. Pick 196, Shai Smith, wide receiver, South Carolina. The dude had, just catches everything. And then 222. 222 and 250. Who have we got? Janarius Robinson, defensive end, Florida State. Top dude. And number 250, as I said earlier, Nashon Wright, quarterback, Oregon State. Well, obviously, we want that last pick to happen because we could get some serious downloads. And also, uh, we could get some serious merch as well. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> but I think I think PFF gave me a B minus for that. I think my draft grade was so. Well, that's done. Yeah, Brady Christian is someone I think our, our man Mike Dugar is um, traded. But something Mike Dugar also pointed out is something they did last year when they traded a seventh round pick this year to take Stefan Sullivan, a tight end from LSU, who they tried to make a defensive end and is now a Carolina Panther. So they cannot do that this year. They, you can just just let, let them get to undrafted. Just take them then. You can't give up future picks for a guy who is clearly a two, like a baseball prospect. He's going to be, take two or three years to even see the field. It's just like last year is slightly strange. This year would be mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, especially as we haven't got that many players on contract, so we're going to need to take a lot of undrafted free agents. So stick all your projects in your undrafted free agents and just take as many of those guys as you can. Do not waste. Waste, that's harsh. Do not use any capital for anything on more projects because we just, eventually, you just can't afford to do it anymore. Yeah, because 2022 is 
probably going to be the axis is going to be more towards normal in terms of draft hall because I'm unsure what the comp pick calculations are like at the minute. But they haven't traded apart from the Jamal one. They haven't. They got second onwards. Um, and then, well, you have you have the Bears pick for Russell Wilson that year, so that'll be fine <laughs> when they yeah. trade for him this time next year. That'd be fun. Still no restructure. No, all for Bobby. Strange, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we're, we're a bit of stream of consciousness today because we haven't planned a lot, but no. just kind of getting all... I think we're kind of tying up loose ends today, aren't we, before I really, the... I, I, this, I don't know. There is a part of me which kind of thinks the Bobby Wagner thing is stranger. Interesting, based on... Based on... Just uh, the amount of money that it is. No, based on, yeah, that, but also the fact that who their first-round pick was last year. And if that is an option on the table for... The Chargers say KJ Wright is still out there to kind of just cover another hole in that. But yeah, line, linebacker is, I mean, Jameen Davis, Kentucky is someone's probably going to go in the first round. But if he, like he did on PFF, is anywhere close to 56, then that could imagine if they did that. Imagine if they went linebacker first pick <laughs> back to back years. It feels After, like very much more of an offensive draft. Like, I don't, you don't hear any. Big, no. Like, there's no Chase Youngs. Like, there's normally you know, Nick Bosa, like a huge yeah. defensive end, defensive tackle that's going to be, you know, a generational player that people are talking about. It doesn't appear to be the case this year at all. No, um, but there's a, there's a good chance that there won't mean the quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three. Quarterback could go four. Tackle or wide receiver five. Who's tight end six? Tight end six. Uh, Detroit could be defensive, but like it's Mika Parsons, a linebacker of Penn State, who has some character dealings, um, a few issues at Penn State, but Penn State just let a lot of stuff slide, apparently. Um, and then you've got the cornerback, Sertain, who is from... There's like six players, I think it is, from this draft who all play at the same high school in uh, uh, Plantation, Florida, which is... Mike and Chris on their part of the Seahawks to men. It's kind of a not a very good name for a town <laughs> in Florida, but um, it's and then you got cornerbacks or wide receivers, then isn't it? Because and then you got, got J- Jay Smith, yeah, and you got JC Horn, who I think is the best cornerback. He's so much fun to watch. Some South Carolina, I think, I think he's four to one to be the first defensive player drafted, which isn't a bad odds for those who. I want to throw a fiver on. I think he could be the guy to say. Oof. I mean, Dallas probably at ten. Yeah, but it, it depends who comes up. It depends what the quarterbacks are going to dictate everything. The quarterbacks are going to go one, two, three. Atlanta could do anything. There's chat saying that the Ravens are in a conversation with them for Julio. Uh, uh, Titans are being dubbed, which makes no sense to be honest. Because you're gonna have to have they paid Derrick Henry yet? Uh, I think he was on the franchise tag last year, wasn't he? Yeah, so they got they must, yeah, so they, they're gonna have to pay him and then they're gonna have to pay AJ Brown next year. Mm. God, uh, so yeah, there's no Julio 33 34, he's still top five receiver, but it makes no sense to add that to all that money. You're going to have to pay the running back and the wide receiver, but um, but yeah, yeah, there is no, like, there's no real clear best pass rusher anywhere. 
my favourite pass rush is, is Aziz Ojari from Georgia, but uh, Quitty Pai, I think is his name, from Michigan, seems to be getting at Giants. Uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami. Yeah, there's not, there's no, like, it's all like kind of everything's in the flux. Even the quarterbacks. Like Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this draft. Yeah. He was in January, he was in February, and he still is in April. But because, as I said, I think I said to you, that the number one pick has been so nailed on for three years, they've kind of literally run out of steam, and now they're just making... I mean, Ian Rappaport's report about that the Jaguars now haven't made their mind. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I just... like, like, like a few years ago, the draft was in May. Imagine how tiring it would have been if this was May. Yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, so yeah, the defensive is it is an offense because like there's, there's going to be maybe five, possibly six quarterbacks going in the first round. There's probably going to be four offensive tackles, and then you've got four or five maybe wide receivers. And you've got Pitts, the tight end. You could have a running back, which would be hilarious to watch certain aspects of Seahawks Twitter react to that. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, the defensive, it's it's not a year to, it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of chat about J- Jamal Adams and not having a first round pick, but we, if you said cornerback and linebacker, it's probably not a bad year to not have a first round pick. It, when when you need defensive players, it's probably not a bad year to already have someone who Carl Shanahan said gave him nightmares and um, stress and anxiety uh, in 2020. Yeah, well, I mean, the interesting thing about the John Boyle article that you mentioned is that I think buried in there was, um, oh, the guy, the guy's name escapes me, but... Um, uh, Fitterer. Yeah, Scott Fitzgerald. Is it Scott Fitzgerald? Um, Wait, no, that's one. Is that the one? Is it? Kurt, is Kershaw or Fitzgerald? Which one went to Kershaw's one? Kershaw's one. I'm talking about. Fitzgerald went to Carolina. Carolina I think. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Michael Sean Dugar, great friend of the show, of course. I think he mentioned that if the process of getting Jamal Adams was that they were worried about who they were going to get in this draft because of evaluations, that is very bad process. And that pretty much exact sentence came up in that article as something that the fans would like praise the team for. So it'll be interesting to see what the pushback is. I think Pete Carroll and John Schneider are speaking today, aren't they, at noon Seattle time? Yeah, it's noon or one. So, and that's the first time that either of them have spoken to the media since the Rams game. Directly. Directly, yeah. (laughs) Um, So there's an awful lot to cover i mean if they even get to the draft picks that'll be quite impressive because (laughs) there's so much to cover i mean obviously you've got the russell wilson thing you've got i mean the lack of resources is is one thing but that might link to what you do with jamal adams bobby wagner at this stage um yeah i mean if they get to talking about draft picks i'll I'll be pretty impressed because there is a lot to cover and uh that's you know that conversation probably will have happened by the time most people are listening to this podcast so it'll be interesting to see what the uh what the reaction is after that but i for one can't wait to listen to that because it's going to be uh it can't not be spicy no you mean even got the album conversations to have like the process behind that because like he he was announced on the 15th and the incident which he has been accused alleged facial allegations against happened the 17th or something yeah 
just I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think I the process is weird. But I think there's there's a, a maybe a bit of context that needs on that because he didn't say it was the reason. He just said it was a consideration. But this is a team who have been praised and have talked about forever that they turn over every rock and stone and ring up every person who's available and team to see who's available. So it kind of makes sense. And it, it I don't know. It can't, it do, it, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not that disheartened that we need defence and we haven't got a first-round pick. It's annoying because of the amount of first-round marks and you just kind of, oh, yeah, we haven't got one. And we've got to do it all again next year as well. Yeah. I think that's more annoying because next year, Russell Wilson's conversation is going to come up again. Bobby Wagner's a year older. Dwayne Brown's a year older. Having a first-round pick next year is possibly more annoying than this year. I'm not too sure. I'm probably wrong on that. But, Especially after a full college season where you know, yeah. if the evaluation thing is valid this year because most teams have played between four and ten games. But from all intents and purposes, it would seem like college football is a, is a full go next season. Yeah, I mean, like the guy, the receiver is going to get the first receiver taken on th- Thursday didn't play in 2020. Yeah. Bateman, I think, played two games and then shut it down. Kenny Gamewell, he's, gonna, he's, he's probably my favourite running back in the Crop, he didn't play. He only played one and a half season. Trey Penny Lance, Sewell. Penny Sewell didn't play. Trey Lance, who seems to be the new clubhouse leader for the third pick for the 49ers, uh, played one season and one poor game against Central Arkansas. So, like, there is a lot of it's, it's all about upside in this kind of thing, which is obviously a bit of a cliche, but this, there's a lot of there's a lot of room for teams to. Fuck up, basically. So I'm kind of glad we don't have to sit there. And obviously, it's the anniversary today of the Jermaine Fetty pick in 2016. So I'm kind of glad we don't have to sit up all night and watch us take a tackle, which may, Mike Mayock said should should play guard, and then we just play him at right tackle for four years. Well, our normal draft tradition is that your sleeping pattern is so messed up that you know God knows when you sleep. I have a, a fairly regular pattern but it is quite a late one so i normally end up watching the first 12 13 picks of a draft and saying let's start i'm knackered i've got to go to bed here we just text me if anything happens and then i wake up to these oh no <laughs> oh no i think uh, whatsapps that you sent me i think we've had we've certainly had that for for mcdowell we de- we definitely had it for penny um and I, yeah i i quite like the jordan brooks pick last year what was it 27? Yeah, he was one before Queen, wasn't Queen, he? To yeah. the Ravens. It was 26 or 27. Yeah, I quite like that one. But yeah, Penny was just bizarre. McDowell was a lot. And the Feddy was just bewildering. Yeah, I mean, there is absolutely no way the Seahawks make a pick tomorrow night if they do they're literally drafting one player well or they've traded away russell wilson or bobby wagner oh do you reckon a 33 year old linebacker with 80 million dollars a year gets your first round pick it, i'm not, it, I'm not sure. maybe not it's weird though isn't it? because he's literally six months older than the quarterback yeah i mean People are so obsessed with thinking about long-term. The point is to win a championship. 
And I would give a first round pick for Bobby Wagner in isolation because he might help you win a championship. But teams seem to think about the championship in five years time that you might win instead of the one that you might win in seven months time, which I always find a, a bit strange. But yeah, hey, that's why I'm not a general manager, I presume. Yeah, but also there is a, there is teams which Bobby Wagner would kind of finish it off, isn't that? Like there are teams out there, can't they? Got one. Um, well, I think I mean, someone like someone like Cleveland, like that, he'll be a, be a great signing. Like I mean, a leadership then, role for that. I mean, if they do it, then I think Schneider and Calvert's like a Green Bay with what they have in front and behind yeah. that linebacker core. He, oh, that's horrible. No. Oh, imagine the shivers. Imagine cheese TV after that. Um, yeah, anything else? No, I think, I mean, obviously, we uh, we should give ourselves a little bit of a victory lap after what happened this week, which was one of the cooler things that's happened. I'll let you kind of take yeah. the floor on that one. So, we, I, I had a text from you, I had uh, a DM from Matt Elliott, Matt, Matthew Elliott, Matt Elliott, who does uh, any Birmingham City fans out there should definitely go and check out his podcast. Thinks we are Birmingham. Sorry, Matt, if that's wrong. Uh, and a few other, and then me and you just messaging just random letters we could press on our phones. And uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, Logan over at Seahawks.com, uh, six, seven weeks after, he clearly listened to it. I don't know how long the process of that was, but put us, put our interview, our chat, and a few quotes from a Dubbowin interview podcast uh, up on Seahawks.com. And through that on Seahawks Twitter as well, which has 2.5 million <laughs> followers, which is just wild. And we've had about 600 extra downloads on what was already one of our bigger, most more downloaded podcasts. It, it's the clear clubhouse leader now, which is, yeah, it was very, very cool. I had people who had no idea how he, do a podcast or any interest in NFL court to me go that's pretty wild and someone said that when we go to the cricket hopefully later in the summer that will I'll be flying in from LA and I was like <laughs> at work so yeah it was it was very very cool massive thanks to uh, John Boyle who I'm going to guess had some part to play in making people on that media team website team aware and then Logan who wrote it up also Matty Brown who wrote up um, about a week ago 10 days ago yeah and Seahawks Raven, which is a brilliant summary, sort of along the same lines as the Seahawks.com one, but obviously um, not two and a half million followers, unfortunately, Matt. So it, yeah, it was very, very cool, wasn't it, Adam? Yeah, it was uh, <coughs> one, of, one of the better moments of uh, doing this, this show. I'll definitely confess that. And uh, it's always fun to to ride the, ride the enjoyment train of that, which um, I definitely infuriated my wife I mean I would have done <laughs> for something else you'd have to assume um but with my kind of shouting on on the sofa about what, what was going on so um yeah that was uh, a great great moment very cool to see yeah uh yeah I got a, it's a subdued reaction in this house when I was like share my parents but I think the first few people to like our sharing of it were our mothers Adam so as it should always be. <laughs> uh, yeah, one, one more thing. Obviously, you are obviously over here. I, I wanted to bring this up because I listened to a podcast earlier, who, which is brought up on the ESL over here. Obviously, you're, you support a team who was involved in it. I'm not going to get on the levy out by my goodness. which I'm obviously you firefighting on social media the last couple of days. But it, there's a point made on a different podcast where it kind of shows again how weird 
people obviously pe- people support and follow and um, critique teams they follow and support in their own way but it's another example of how weird people who are like in a sunken place with owners and ownership and commissioners and governing bodies of sports how weird that stance is when it's quite clear every level of sports major sports at the top tables do not give a damn about the people who carry water from is that fair is that something you kind of it kind of just shines a light on that again yeah i mean that that's definitely the most disheartening thing i mean i went to the cup final on sunday at wembley for the standard final disappointment which is (laughs) completely impervious to that now and i stood stood there for 90 minutes singing my heart out with my dad and it was glorious but then you kind of think that you're right i mean if you're a fan of one of the top six or well the, the six that are involved in this thing you're kind of gonna be in this for the rest of your life mm. like there will never be the local butcher that owns Tottenham Hotspur again or or even like, like the what's like, Blackburn Jack, Jack Walker yeah the even Alan Sugar, someone like that, wouldn't even be close to the wealth required mm. to buy. I mean, they're talking about like the filth of getting like the Spotify owner to buy. I mean, these are just enormous companies that are using football clubs as playthings. And there is something quite depressing about that. And I think what was interesting is that the ESL represented the line at which fans are like, no, that yeah. is too much. Now, it would be great if we could transfer that energy to loads of other things like the way in which the Champions League is. I mean, tonight, you know, Wednesday night, we've got the El Golfico between PSG and Man City, two clubs that have completely ruined the sport with ridiculous spending. It would be great if we could transfer some of the energy onto that and not stop, but it's not going to happen. But it was interesting to see that that's where the clear line in the sand was. Um, And I said to like, you know, I think I got, you know, Jackson Feltz from KJR was in my mentions about stuff like this, but I definitely would not have carried on supporting them had they gone to the Super League. That was my line. Um, yeah. And the whole thing is hypocrisy because three days later, again, I was on, you know, singing about the club that I love in a stadium. And I guess with all sports fans, there, there's a line. I mean, the, I don't think it gets talked about enough. The Baltimore Ravens are the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Um, you know, that team. Just, yeah. And the Indianapolis Colts are the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. So these teams just got up and, and left. I and mean, thankfully for the fans in Cleveland, um, <clears throat> they were able to get a team back under the same name that they now fall in love with. But, you know, it, it, well, they, they do. I mean, the, 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 the fans. <laughs> I think Cleveland are very Spursy. I think. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they, they, <laughs> they drip it. I mean, I, that, that should be my team, obviously. <laughs> Um, but it, it's interesting, like, and just kind of, there's so much good that happens in American sports. So it's not like there's, you know, not, not, yeah, you know, it's not great, but you know, you and I met Mike Holmgren to take this back to a Seahawky kind of thing in Seattle. And he was great mates with Randy Lerner because he worked for Randy at Cleveland. Yeah. And I remember him saying quite vividly that he could not believe the amount of money that was required to spend to keep a team competitive in the Premier League. Yeah. And that's what drove them out in the end. Yeah. And this is kind of just John Henry, the Glazers and, and uh, Cronky 
just making sure that their investments are secured because I think I almost felt sorry for Randy Lerner when I was listening to my old one talk about it because just clearly had no indication of what was going to happen. And it's so unlike American sports in the sense that if you own one of these teams in the NFL, your profit's pretty much guaranteed. Yeah, it's also the like the flux you kind of... I think he talked about the losses he made at Villa because obviously mm-hmm. I think... I don't think Ren- Dave Sayers, who's one of our patrons, is a Villa fan. I think he can maybe comment on this more. I don't think he was very popular at no, Villa because obviously he, he ran the club out of the Premier League, which 95% of the Midlands enjoy thoroughly. Um, well, I, but, I, I, went um, to, I went to Villa Park as a Spurs fan on the season they got relegated, which would have been 2015-16. Yeah. And the Spurs and the Villa fans together were singing about getting Randy Lerner out because, you know, <laughs> just kind of, we're just trying to show support for a set yeah, of fans yeah, yeah. that were clearly downtrodden. Yeah. Well, yeah. But like, the, the biggest thing is it kind of, it, the energy was also focused on it immediately, but for four or five days, as someone who supported a team who have been in the football league, this part of the 72 or as Ali and George Eric's podcast, it's not the top 20. <laughs> um, it it was it was refreshing for four days that everyone suddenly cared about the league ladder and <laughs> the football league ladder and this, that actually cared about the history and whatever the, of the 72 because it hasn't been the case for 15, 20 years obviously people who were commenting on it on our broadcasters um, have one of them has a pretty big interest in one of the teams trying to work their way up um, that which yeah I think he dealt with um, the self awareness of that quite well, but it was just it's 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 yeah it's the line's been drawn for a lot of fans outside of what the top half of the Premier League really top twelve because mm-hmm. obviously the bottom three the teams that get relegated is the same dozen really for the last five or six years obviously you have teams like Sunderland and Wigan and um, Huddersfield and. Yeah, who kind of drop out and then don't return. But it's the, the line's been drawn against ownership. I mean, my football team moved, I've played two of the last, no, three of the last nine, eight seasons outside of the city limits. So it, it happens. But yeah, it's just, there's a lot of naivety, but there's also a lot of don't give a damn because Kronke, who's the owner currently of your favourite um, hated team in sports, also moved, I mean, he moved, the Rams from St. Louis mm. left that city without with one professional sports team, I think, and the Cardinals, a baseball team. But so he's, he's it's just like, but it's also the Arsenal fans are now picking billionaires. Like they, the, the Spotify guy, I didn't, I couldn't tell you who was the owner of Spotify five days ago. I had yeah, no idea. Clearly doesn't give a toss. He's not, it's not, yeah. And like, it's, it's perspex because of Armory, Burkamp, and Vieira. I mean, what, Apart from Armory, what affiliation has any of those had with <laughs> Arsenal since Wenger got rid of them all? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, uh, yeah, spinning the bin quickly. Yeah, go on then. Uh, I'm going to put in, I did notice down because I'm going to, well, while I um, while I look at look for him, uh, as I tweeted earlier today, uh, nature is healing, Adam. Colin Cowherd <laughs> is back after weeks of having to sit by as people praised him and used him as a go-to source on the Russell Wilson chat. He is back saying, what was it that NFL GMs have gone to him in the past about USC? Players, just for the that's lowdown. Right. I mean, that's just not... I mean, what was it? Um, back after this, 
just spent the first five years of its existence on Twitter um, uh, just uh, clipping everything Mike Francesca said on uh, WFAN in New York, but coward, man, welcome back. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to welcome you back into warm embrace of the bin. Uh, the other one for me is this week is Jace Coburn, who I am surprised I know, but I am glad I do because he said last week he's the new Portland State basketball coach, Adam. <laughs> and he said that his injury, he said a lot, but he said, I don't eat breakfast in the morning so I can come to work hungry. So when I get to lunch, I'm hungry. And that's just the kind of person I am. I know my 2003 Chevy Tahoe's got a lot of play this week so far. It doesn't have AC and it doesn't have heat. And the reason I do that is so I can practice my mental toughness during the winter when it's cold and I can practice my mental toughness during the, the summer when it's hot. That's the type of person I am. Oh my gosh. Um, it's just a case of, it's people, it's like middle management at certain companies and certain industries where they just like you don't have you don't have to say things like that. You got the job. You're not in the <laughs> job interview. Just get on with it. It's it's awful. Like the whole ninety second clip on Twitter is awful. That's amazing. But I don't go to. I don't eat breakfast because he said that it's it's incredible. If people, I'll tweet it out and whatever, but. Jace Coburn, man. Like it's, you're going to be in there because I don't think we'll ever pay any attention to Portland State basketball ever again. But For oof. what it's worth, I don't eat breakfast because I've normally got out of bed too late. So that's why I don't eat breakfast. Yeah, I, I, had, I had Cocoa Pops for the first time in six weeks today. I end up being hungry when I get to work. So it's just well that I kind of run a kitchen <laughs> business. And I'm in the anyway. So actually, that, that's a really mutually good, good yeah. agreement for everyone, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, like bubbles in the wire, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Quite. Um, anyone for you for the bin? I've got quite a few, but I, there were a few that I wanted to say for when we had other people on just to kind of uh, bounce it around a bit. But um, I think it's time to timeshare Ian Rappaport in the bin. I, yeah, we flirted around the idea for a few years. He's regular enough. Like, you know, we know his drink order. Uh, you know, we know what he likes to have. We know he likes his sandwich with, with, you know, with no lettuce when he, when he makes his order at, at the bar in the bin. And the Justin Fields epilepsy stuff has really pissed me off. Um, for those that don't know, I think Rappaport and then his shill, David Chow, is another one that's completely time-shared where yeah, making tweets about how Justin Fields has epilepsy, blah, 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 blah. And in characters 240 onwards, this is expected to have absolutely no impact on his game whatsoever. And sometimes you just don't need to write anything. Um, show some respect for these people that mm -hmm. are actually good at something, unlike you, apart <laughs> from, you know, you're just decent at like receiving text messages from people. These people are actually talented and you're just a middleman to kind of report the news. And we could all do everything this week could happen absolutely fine without NFL, any NFL insider. So let's show some respect for 21-year-old kids trying to live a dream and not try and knock them down based on something that you've said yourself will have no effect on their game because that is disgusting. Yep. Also, I think what you just mentioned there, he's a 21-year-old kid with the biggest week of his professional or his life his career 
Like it's like as we heard with Nashan a few weeks ago, like the reason he left Oregon State this year was to give his brother, amongst other things, was to give his brother an opportunity to play and also to help him, Nashan, support his family. Because this is what yeah. the biggest thing really it's not just being like ratified. It's like they're they're gonna it's generational wealth coming their way in the next 48, 36, 48 hours. And there's people who are just um just they said like no Ian Rappaport is just a nobody like he's gone it's quite funny you but as you was as you mentioned Ian Rappaport I got a text from um our, my mate Ben um Charles there's a tweet gone out per Charles Robinson on Caleb Farley Virginia Tech cornerback says he's hearing the Saints might move up to get him and that the Saints feel they may need to move ahead of the Titans to get it done Ian Rappaport could have retweeted that's all it needed. He quote tweeted, have heard this as well. <laughs> and there's all the nonsense from it. He's worse. He is a timeshare. He's Cliff Clavin of um, the bin. Who's that? Who's that? Cheers. I've, I've never watched it. Sorry. Oh, Adam. It could be my, I'm doing, I'm just motoring through Seinfeld now. Maybe cheers <laughs> be the next one. Okay. If it, he's the Cliff Clavin of NFL media. Okay, I mean, ju- just for context, Michael Irvin did a brilliant interview with Dave Damashek and Cousin Sal on the Extra Points Network last week, and they were he was talking about the minute that Dallas called, and he said his family were po instead of poor because they were so poor they couldn't afford the extra <laughs> OR, which is an ama- amazing line. It's an, <laughs> you know, it's an amazing line, you know, to have that clarity of thought and. I would imagine that they would have said that even without him being a multimillionaire. Know, that's what, yeah, that would, yeah, yeah. What they would have said. And <laughs> Damashek said, right, I mean, you, you've gone there. That Damashek really said, and, you know, the moment where these kids, and they know it's coming, but the mm. moment these kids get the call and all of a sudden their family is wealthy for three generations is just yeah. an amazing thing to see. And for these analysts to try and like, Add extra stress on the, on in this week of all weeks. I, ju- I just think it's awful, yeah. Um, and it, it really is something that, that I think we're almost at duty of care point with, with regard to how these people should be treated. Yeah, and also we're also entering the draft, the first draft since the last draft, where they spent all weekend talking about like how single parent households and they lived with like all their families. Like we spoke to. Um, Stephen Nesbitt about his before the Steelers game a couple of years ago and all the the stuff when he went to see where Juju came from in mm. California it's like eighteen people in one house kind of thing and that's just going to be what we're going to see hopefully not going to see this weekend but it's but also just this draft class and quarterbacks with Trevor Lawrence who's been as he said himself like he's been the best quarterback of his age group since he was like fourteen just that was the feel, other one yeah. Justin, yeah. F- Justin Fields was uh, Georgia and then went to Ohio State. And now he's getting r- rubbish with stuff from uh, oh, no, Ohio State quarterbacks who have ever done this and that. And all about the epilepsy, ep- epilepsy stuff as well. Justin Fields was, has been in the public eye f- since he was in high school through that Netflix series. Mm-hmm. He was on that Netflix series, QB1, the second series of that. I yeah, think. I think it was. Like he's he's put himself in. Like he didn't sign up for that. They obviously approached the schools. I don't know how the process of that works, but he's put himself in the public eye at two of the biggest schools 
in America and also on a Netflix show. And now he's putting himself and you, as you say, you've got media people already again, like the same with the Portland State coach. You're already on the platform. You don't need to you've <laughs> got the platform to do something with it instead of doing this with it. Like you see Jim Trotter and um oh, Steve Weish. Like they have mm-hmm. a platform and they use it to the betterment of people who probably wouldn't always get the platform with is it Hustle and Flow, the name of their pod? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you got people like Ian Rapport on the same network who are just kind of grasping for any sort of relevancy. Well the, the travel kind of... the Trevor Lawrence one is another great one because they're reporting about how maybe he doesn't like football quite as much <laughs> because he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. And like <laughs> this kid has been touted to go number one in this draft for six years. Yeah. He's always been the best player on the field. He's yeah. always won. Why would he have a chip on his shoulder? Mm. Yeah, he's yeah. always been the best. Yeah, and so, when he ha- and when he hasn't won, it's not because of him. Yeah, exactly. So this idea that you know, people. But then the funny thing is that the same pe- same people will then watch the Michael Jordan documentary and say, "Huh, oh, he was a bit of an arsehole for manifesting a chip on his shoulder to try and motivate himself." So, what do you want? Which of these do you want? Do you want him to be an arsehole and have the chip, or just like be quite cool with himself and say, "Yeah, like." this is going to be great. And I've, I've been waiting for this my whole time. Like, good luck to Trevor Lawrence. And I hope he absolutely tears it up for the next 15 years and be, is great fun to watch. And I wish he was going to be my quarterback for the next 15 years. Yeah. Instead, he's got Urban Meyer and Davo Beryl and Brian Schottenheimer, which Indeed. is an interesting place to land for a quarterback because, yeah. Um, yeah. Be- Bevel is probably one of the best OCs he can land with, but Urban Meyer and Schottenheimer... For different reasons, uh, yeah, it could be interesting. Uh, anyone else? No, I think we're going to a couple saved up for our guests. I think we're going to be talking with Joe Fan next week, so I've got a couple. Yeah, couple and also, if up. anyone listening wants to suggest people we can get on or what you want us to hear from, obviously, we've got another 30 weeks, 20 weeks till the season starts. Long enough, That's a long time. Uh, so yeah, so we're also going to try and do some reaction pod stuff um when the Seahawks actually make a selection over the weekend obviously depends on when that happens but me um maybe Adam depending on timing and uh sleep patterns are going to jump on with uh Matty Brown who's been deep on the cornerbacks uh a few names of he he's mentioned me Jason Pitt from Pittsburgh is someone he likes Benjamin St. Juiced I think is how you say his name uh from Minnesota is someone that I think Dugar has mocked to us and he's someone Matty Brown is high on and Sean Wade is someone who he likes but has um, one uh, technique issue which he doesn't think is coachable. I think also Sean Wade was on with Rob Staten, I think I saw yesterday as well, wasn't he? Yeah, Yeah, so go check that out as well. All thanks to the people on patreon.com forward slash possession podcast. Massive thanks, we said earlier, to Logan and all the guys on seox.com for putting up our uh, Doug Baldwin post. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool to watch that pop again after six or seven weeks. Until next time, there. This has been the pedestrian podcast. Go Hawks.